0: Welcome to Simply Christian, a podcast diving deep into the essentials of the Christian faith, heresies, and everything in between. I'm Isaac. And I'm John.
1: Good morning, dude. Good morning, brother. How are you? All right, man. Yeah. I'm all right. Yeah. yeah. Super pumped. I'm excited about this, too. I'm excited about it, too. We, um, yeah, we got a good episode for you guys today, one that I'm, um excited to dive into that I'm learning about and I feel like I'm hopeful that many of you listeners will be excited about this as well because we have a really big subject and we have come through some hot episodes um like we said we were we were in the flames then we jumped into the from the frying pan into the fire this one we get to cool off a little bit we're jumping <laughs> into the water and so what are we talking about today related to water baptism yes yeah, man, <laughs> baptism. Which, big big subject. Yeah. Big subject.
0: It, it is, and it's super fitting we talk about this because we just had six people get baptized at our church. Amen. Yeah, so
1: it's pretty awesome. Praise the Lord, yes. Yeah, yep. man. Yep. Yes. And I know some of them, um, and their family members listen. So, um, just congratulations. Welcome to the family. So many people are praying for you. Um, and so excited for what God is doing in your life. And we're just so grateful to be able to witness. Yeah. Just this amazing thing. Um, this wonderful ritual, this ancient ritual that we have been practicing as the church for thousands of years and that Jesus commanded us to do. Jesus commanded us to not only be baptized, but also go into the world, make disciples, baptizing them. What a wonderful thing it is. Um, and as we'll talk about a lot, this 3D picture of the faith right on. that we have. So a couple questions that kind of come up with this that we want to tackle today um, that you guys might already be thinking of as you're listening. Does water baptism save you? Is it the water that justifies you? Is there something kind of special or magical about the fact, just the water in and of itself? These H, this H two O, this water <laughs> quality, does that save you? What is it? Um, also, why do we do it? Um, what do? What, what's our purpose? Why is the church clung to this wonderful, beautiful ritual that we've been been engaging in for a couple thousand years? Also, what is the benefit of being baptized, and who can be baptized? We'll tackle some of these questions and maybe some other ones as well yeah. um, as we go through the episode. Cool, cool. So uh,
0: where are we going to put this on the theological triage scale?
1: Well, I'm going to throw that right back at you. We this? <laughs>
0: so I would say it's, it's a two for the most part, and then maybe a three in some other aspects of it. Okay. Which is totally vague.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. <laughs> Do you want to hash that out a little bit more or just uh, jump
0: into it? We'll, we'll jump into it. i jump Hopefully into it. Hopefully it'll be clear as we go into it. So Awesome. Um, yeah, so this is kind of the outline for what we'll be doing here. So um, first we're going to look at what the Bible teaches about water baptism. Um, we'll address if there's multiple types of baptism, um, what baptism does not accomplish, what it does accomplish, then some heretical opinions of baptism, and then some in-house versions of the baptism debate, and then of course, as usual, we'll delve into a few common objections. Mm-hmm. Yes. So uh, so yeah, yeah. That's about it.
1: All right. So what does yeah, the Bible teach about baptism? What's a good place to start? Where can we kind of just jump in and get our feet wet?
0: Yeah. So I actually think in ten. um yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. Well, feet wet if you're a, if you believe in immersion. If you're sprinkling, your feet probably aren't going to get wet. But <laughs> we'll get into that later. But uh, I think a great place to start is actually where baptism is first kind of talked about in the Bible, which is actually with John the Baptist or John the Baptizer. Mm. So, um, in Mark chapter one. This is what it says here. Um, The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. John appeared, baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins, and so on. Mm -hmm. So that's the first time we actually see baptism being talked about here in the scriptures. Um, so that kind of leads us to kind of wonder why John was being baptized. Because if you've read the Bible for any length of time, you have probably seen that John had a baptism, and then there's a different kind of baptism in the New Covenant that the apostles do. And we know that's different because there's, in the book of Acts, there were people who it was said they were baptized with the baptism of John. But then they had to be rebaptized mm-hmm. in the name of the Father, Son and Spirit. And people have been confused about that. and the main reason is because there are two very different baptisms. Um, the first one baptism in John's time was a practice that was de- that was developed centuries earlier by the uh, by the Jewish people when a Gentile wanted to become part of Israel, Mm. they would baptize them because it symbolized the crossing of the Red Sea and the crossing of the Jordan. So it was kind of like a a super quick, like 60-second version of becoming a a Jew, and of course they would have to be circumcised if they were male, Um, but they they got baptized first. And the reason why this is so significant here, what John is doing, is because John is baptizing Jewish people, Mm -hmm. which is why the Pharisees and the scribes got so mad at him for doing this, because he's implying that they aren't God's people merely because of their ethnic heritage. Mm -hmm. They're God's people by being Jews of heart, Mm -hmm. by being circumcised in heart. Mm -hmm. So... That's just, and that you can imagine why that would be so offensive, because that went against what the, the scribes taught.
1: Yep. And like Paul even says later, it's not a, he's not a Jew who was a Jew outwardly. He is a Jew who was Jew, a Jew inwardly. Right. There's a circumcision of the heart that's happened, an internal... Yeah. Yeah. You're not just Jews by default. Right. And John the Baptist even said, <clears throat> don't say because you're sons of Abraham... That we're good because God is able to raise up sons of Abraham from these stones here. Right, yeah. So much imagery in that, but just a yeah. quick picture of, yes. Beautiful, man. Yep.
0: Yeah, yep. so that's, yeah, and that you can tell just by that statement, that's that's John's mindset, you mm-hmm. know? He's seeing like, no, we're, we need to be God's people because we have faith in him and we obey him. Mm-hmm. Not because we are lucky enough to be born in this, this
1: nation, mm-hmm. you know? Amen. And and does this touch on it? Because a lot of people have noted this, and this isn't original with me, but a lot of people have made this kind of observation, and you hinted at it earlier, but people have asked, why why was Jesus baptized? John's doing this baptism of repentance. Obviously, Jesus doesn't need to repent. He's the sinless, holy, blameless, undefiled Son of God who comes into this earth and dies, and save sinners, but what's he doing getting a baptism of repentance? But a lot of people have noted that it's almost like he himself is taking on Israel and saying, we are yes. going to redo this together. Yes, I am going to lead the way and do this re-entrance of the nation of Israel. And just like Joshua led them through the Jordan, I'm going to get baptized in the Jordan River um, and lead us into the promised land. Dude,
0: absolutely. Yeah. And that's okay. why immediately after his <laughs> baptism what happens? He goes to the wilderness for 40 days, mm-hmm. crossing the Red Sea, 40 years in the wilderness, yeah. baptized in the Jordan, 40, years, uh, 40 days in the wilderness. Then immediately after that, he picks his 12 disciples, mm-hmm. 12 mm-hmm. tribes of Israel, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So there's so much parallel. Jesus is reliving the story of Israel, but doing it faithfully mm-hmm. and being the faithful son. Israel was the unfaithful son. Mm-hmm. yes so, yeah, yeah there's so many ah it's awesome <laughs> <laughs> so so cool yes. yeah no definitely
1: that's awesome okay and um uh, just to set this up a bit because i think we'll use this punchline a little later that um in, in a book that you might read a little snippet from but yeah. that was the setup and this is the punchline, right right like this is that was how things kind of were setting the stage in the old covenant right everything pointing to jesus christ yes so Jesus is the punchline of the old covenant. mm, Yes. That's what he is. Amen. Yes. Yes. Okay. All right. Well, that's good. Um, And yeah, I mean, obviously we have in Matthew chapter 28, right at the very end, um, Jesus gives them this command we're to be baptized, but he also sends them out and he says, go and baptize people in the name of the father, the son, and the Holy spirit. And so we get this command, this thrust that we're just going to go outward into the, all the nations, making disciples of all the nations. And so I guess there's just a question that comes up with this. Are there other uses of the word baptism in scripture? Um, how does the Bible and Bible authors, um, articulate this word baptism?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, did you want to take that?
1: yeah I mean I can, we can touch on it. There's a, we get baptism of the Holy Spirit um, is right off the bat obviously we have water baptism used over and over. people are baptized and um, submerged under the water, brought back up. but then we also have this similar thing that baptism of the Holy Spirit and since we've been talking about John the Baptist, he says, I bapt he's, Jesus he's like they're like, are you the coming one? Are you the Messiah? And he's like, no. it's like I'm not even worthy to untie the the strap of his sandal. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And so there's so much in that. And hopefully in a future episode, we're going to talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But John the Baptist is just saying, I'm here to baptize with water, but Jesus has this baptism that I can't do. Man is unable to baptize anybody in the Holy Spirit. That's something that only Jesus Christ can do is he submerges somebody in the Holy Spirit. And now we are in the Holy Spirit. And not only that, but the Holy Spirit is in us. We're made new. We're new creations. Baptism of the Holy Spirit. So that's one way the word baptism is used in a different kind of uh, context. Yeah. You have a thought on that? no okay all right (laughs) and then uh next we have um i guess you know depending on the translation it may be used to speak of ritual washings and you know you see some of this maybe in the old testament the big bronze laver used for kind of ritual cleansings and things like that and maybe some of it gets its roots in that but also Mm -hmm. a third and very very important thing that i hope that we can kind of bring to the surface because i believe it adds that third dimension is suffering um you know, in Mark chapter 10, um, toward the end of the chapter, you see James and John coming with her mo- their mom and they're like, you know, bring their mom for a little bit of added emphasis. And the mom's like, I want James and John to sit on your right and your left hand in the kingdom. What a huge <laughs> kind of bold request. And I love Jesus's tenderness with them because he doesn't just say what? Get out of here. That's just such a dumb question. You can't even ask that. He's still very tender with him, but he says, Are you able to be baptized with the baptism that I'm going to undergo? And are you going to are you able to drink the cup that I'm going to drink? Seemingly very seems very clear to me that he's linking baptism with suffering there. It's like, are you ready to suffer with me? And this picture of baptism, I think, is carried on throughout the New Testament where Paul says, I died daily. We're crucified with Christ. But then he also seems like he uses this wording in Romans chapter 6. He says, for you who have been baptized in Christ, you have also died with him. And so we get this like imagery of we've been baptized in the Holy Spirit. We're baptized in water. But then we're also seemingly ongoingly baptized with suffering as we bear the cross of Christ. As the world, we're dying to the world, and the world is dying to us. We die daily with Christ, and we're just experiencing this ongoing suffering. And so it just adds this, I think, third dimensional reality to the fact that I'm on, I'm I'm constantly baptized with Christ in in terms of suffering, as my flesh is dying, but my spirit is being brought more and more to life. Um, yeah. So yeah, baptism um, used in a few different ways, but as we're talking specifically about water baptism in this episode, um, let's kind of just zoom in on this particularly. What does water baptism not accomplish? What's something that we can kind of just cut off some of the, the ends here?
0: Yeah. So I think what baptism does not accomplish, um, and when I, I want to be specific and careful when I say this, mm. I do not think that mere water Baptism saves anyone. Mm -hmm. Um, And a good example is the thief on the cross. I mean, he wasn't baptized. um, And when Jesus, you know, saw him on the cross, he was like, Today you'll be with me in paradise. Mm -hmm. There's no way he could have been baptized. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And also, um, just in general, like Paul says, um, God did not send me to baptize but to preach the gospel that didn't mean paul didn't baptize people that means he's making a distinction between those two things Mm -hmm. um and we'll we'll get into this a little bit later when we get into the common objections but i think that's probably enough to say about what it doesn't accomplish right now Mm -hmm. sure um and then hopefully it'll be clear um as we go through some of the other takeaways absolutely yeah
1: well and and so we got that and so um if we have some some kind of a semblance of what water baptism does not accomplish. How can we talk about what it does accomplish? Yeah,
0: um, so I think there's uh, a number of things that accomplishes. Number one, um, obedience. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like regardless of your view of baptism, uh, Jesus commanded it. Mm-hmm. So that should be enough for us to do it, yes. regardless
1: of what we think it does. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jesus said to do it, so we need to do it. Uh-huh. Even if we have no idea anything from there, we don't know what it does, why we do it, anything, right. which we believe we do. We right. have some revelation re- with regard to that. Um, But even if none of that was available to us and all we had was Jesus said to do it, doesn't make sense, don't know why, Right. we do it. Right. Because our Jesus, our Lord and Savior says, go, and we go. Yeah. Yeah. Amen, man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Anything else? Yeah. Okay. Um. And another one is, uh, I, and I I believe this is to is is true in the sense of we're gonna hopefully flesh this out a lot more, but it's an outward declaration of what's already true, and kind of with that, it's a, often a great testimony to the church and the world. Mm. You know, when we just had our water baptism at church a couple weeks ago, it was just so fantastic for everybody else to be able to participate in that. And not that I believe it always has to be like that, but I think the ideal circumstance would be, it's so wonderful to just sit and listen to a person just declare Jesus Christ as their Lord, what he's done for them, and then for the whole congregation to be able to take part in this strong reality of something that they're doing with their body. Not something that we we can't see what's happening in their spirit, just God doing some inner workings that we're like, I I can't see that. This is something that we also get to participate in and saying, wow, they just went under the water. This is a big deal. Their clothes are soaked. Their hair is wet. Like, then they came up from the water. It's just such a wonderful way to be able to see, like, this is a testimony to the world. Something that God has done, but now we get to take part in it because God has made us physical beings. Yeah. We get to actively engage in this on a physical level. Yeah. it's um, awesome. Wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. That's super awesome. And what else? Yeah. So, the... Uh,
0: there's two, two more things. Number one, it's the vehicle by which one expresses their initial faith in Jesus, which we're going to unpack in the common objections. Um, and then lastly, it's something that Christians can look back on to remember what Jesus did for them. Mm-hmm. So in Romans six 5 and 6, when Paul's talking about our forgiveness in Jesus and how um, God's grace is greater than all of our sin, and that gives us confidence for salvation. He then says, um, Does that mean we can continue in sin, that grace may abound? God forbid. Mm-hmm. Don't you know that if you, um, that those who are dead to sin can't live in it because mm-hmm. you're dead to it? Mm-hmm. And then he references our baptism. Don't you know that when you were baptized into Christ, you were baptized into his death? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So Paul is using baptism, our baptism. He's pointing back to the Christians past baptism and saying, don't you remember like when that happened like that pictures what Jesus did for you and when you when you uh, when he died it's as though you died mm-hmm. and when he rose it's as though you rose so baptism for the Christian is supposed to be it's supposed to help us with our assurance of salvation not in the sense that oh because we got water on us we're saved. Not in that respect at all, but because of what baptism is the 3D picture of. Mm-hmm. It gives us something tangible to hold on to, to, to understand more fully what happened inwardly. Um, and that's why it's one of the reasons why it's so important. In fact, the main reason why it's so important, it is the gospel 3D. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes. Yep. And so another, I want to like put into this discussion a term that maybe... Um, or a parallel that maybe we'll use throughout to help us out just to get our minds around it is um praying the sinner's prayer or you know or walking down to the altar um oftentimes when we think of salvation we're thinking all right the the moment i got saved was when i prayed the sinner's prayer or i went down to the altar but can you unpack that a little bit more and kind of relate that to baptism
0: yeah sure sure so um so yeah like i said we'll we'll unpack it um, a lot more once we get to the common objections because that has mm-hmm. to do with, you know, mm-hmm. uh, some things that people would uh, would object to. However, um, in the New Testament, it seems pretty clear to me that the way that people are supposed to express their initial faith in Jesus is by being baptized. That is the vehicle by which their faith is to be expressed. Nowadays, what we typically do is when you're sharing the gospel with someone and they want to become a Christian, we usually say, okay, pray with me, mm-hmm. or pray to ask Jesus into your heart, right? Mm-hmm. So we I don't think any Christian worth their salt would say that the prayer itself saves anyone. Mm-hmm. It's the faith that they have that saves them. Mm-hmm. And if they were to die right before those, they open their mouth to pray to ask Jesus into their heart we would think they were still saved and on their way to be with the Lord yeah. because they had that faith. That's the only reason they would be opening their mouth mm-hmm. to pray the prayer to begin with, right? <laughs> yeah. So the 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 prayer is the vehicle by which that faith is expressed, but the vehicle does not actually make the faith happen, and it doesn't save you. It's just the way it's expressed outwardly. Okay. And in the same way, in the New Testament, it appears that baptism is supposed to be that vehicle, not the sinner's prayer. Mm -hmm. That doesn't invalidate people who do express their faith through the sinner's prayer. It's just not ideal. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And there are certain situations where it just can't happen right away, especially if you are, depending on your conviction of baptism, so for us, we're Baptists, we believe in immersion. Um, So it's really, it's much less practical for us to baptize someone as soon as they become a believer, um, or even setting up a baptismal ceremony at our church, there's a lot more that goes into it than, let's say, if you believe sprinkling is okay, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. As, which is honestly, through church history, one of the reasons why sprinkling became so popular because yep. it's way more practical,
1: so much to, more sp- practical. S- to sprinkle someone <laughs> than to dunk them, you know? Especially <laughs> if you live in Maine or yeah, yeah. Ukraine, yeah. where it's just like, I, you know, yep. you're trying to find a body of water, but everything's frozen. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yep, that's yes. very true um okay all right cool i just wanted to put that in there now because for me that was really helpful when we were talking before recording just to kind of get my head around this concept and i feel like as we put forth that parallel we'll be able to ride that a little bit more as we get into it that's a good idea um but so here we go so we have uh um some heretical views i guess of baptism as well that we want to touch on here just just quickly um what is a view of baptism that might be make us be like all right this is potentially risen above a level two issue and now you're talking about it in such a way or you you're teaching it in such a way that makes me go from maybe a level two or a level three sword that we have going on to say i'm going to pull out the flaming level one sword here and speak a little more sharply to you what would be a situation like that
0: yeah so i would say that and again you got to be you got to be careful here um you got to be specific because mm-hmm. we don't want a straw man the mm-hmm. other side yep so I would say of course so in the in the Roman Catholic Church they believe that a baptismal ceremony performed by the church is is effectual does save regardless of the person who's being baptized faith mm-hmm. so if you are at, a Roman Catholic Mass, or whatever they do, and you are being sprinkled in the name of the Father, Son, and Spirit through a baptismal ceremony done by the priest Mm -hmm. at the church, then you are now baptized. So the sacrament is effectual, is effective, regardless of the person's faith, Mm -hmm. which I think that is completely unfounded in the New Testament, and it completely leaves baptism hollow it leaves it hollow mm-hmm. cuz you just have the shell you just have the vehicle but there's no passenger inside mm-hmm. there's nothing mm-hmm. there's nothing inside mm-hmm. um and i think that's heretical because it completely misses the point yeah, yeah. of it of it being faith or saved by faith
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: not by some convenient outward ceremony that means i don't have to devote my life to jesus it's just going to happen right my original sins going to be washed away according mm-hmm. to Mm -hmm. to the roman catholic dogma there so Hmm. um and of course i'm not roman catholic so i might be missing a few nuances that someone else would explain but from my understanding that's the basic um tenets of of how they understand it and i I think that's just that's very heretical
1: Hmm. okay so if someone were to be saying um look i want to be baptized or maybe I, I don't even know if I really want to, but I'm doing it be, out of some sort of obligation. I don't have faith, but now somehow somebody has a priest or somebody has sprinkled me with water. But I don't have faith. But they're declaring that I am saved. I guess is that. I'm just trying to. Yeah, that's okay. that's that what I mean. I think
0: that's very okay. Yeah, yeah, and that could, of course um, we don't think that infant baptism. Is heretical, which we're going to get to that in a mm-hmm, minute. Mm-hmm. Um, necessarily, however, if if there's infant baptism is viewed in a way that saves them, mm-hmm. like I think that's that's messed up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I do, I do. Yep. And I wouldn't say it's always I wouldn't say it's always heresy because there are some ways that it has been explained throughout church history that I would say is definitely wrong still, but I wouldn't put it in the category of heresy. Just for our listeners, just so you guys know, um, many, many, many Christians, in fact, most Christians throughout church history, especially in the early church, um, believed in uh, baptismal regeneration, Mm -hmm. which means that you are regenerated through baptism. But they didn't, from what I can tell, they they did not separate that from faith, Mm -hmm. which to me is not heresy. It's just very confused (laughs) but but they were confused about a whole lot of stuff and true that's okay Mm -hmm. um because thankfully we're not saved by whether or not we're confused we're saved by christ um however if you just take the faith out of it and just have a ceremony yeah that's
1: the problem yes yes okay i see yep yep that's good that's great all right cool and hopefully we can keep unpacking that um as we go on, and for you listeners, I hope that you're like listening intently because we're gonna just try to like push through. But um, a lot of big subjects here that we want to try to untangle as best we can, um, and we'll hopefully we'll be getting into some more scripture soon. But what's another maybe heretical view of baptism? Are there any others um, things that we should watch out for? Maybe on the other end. Yeah, I think so. I think the
0: the one that makes me mad the most, honestly, is when people are just nonchalant about baptism. I mm-hmm. think it's optional. Mm-hmm. That's also heresy. Mm-hmm. Jesus said, like, go into all the world, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, and so many other passages talk about, like, baptism is supposed to be the, the outward doorway into the church, mm-hmm. into the Christian life, the outward doorway. Of course, we would say that if someone has faith, I mean, they're they belong to God, yeah. but outwardly, visibly, Baptism is the doorway mm. into that. Um, so if someone just says, "I don't care," like maybe I'll get baptized in a couple years, but they are professing to be followers of Jesus, and mm-hmm. and especially if they want to partake of the Lord's Supper and all these things, I think that is that is very wrong. That is mm-hmm. that is practical heresy for sure, because mm-hmm. um, you're directly disobeying like the first thing Jesus commanded for believers to do Mm -hmm. the first thing it's Mm -hmm. not optional i don't care if you're embarrassed jesus doesn't care jesus said if you deny Mm -hmm. me before man i'll deny you before the father Mm -hmm. and your baptism is a declaration of you belonging to jesus and your faith in him Mm -hmm. and if you're refusing to get baptized what's that saying about your heart towards him
1: Mm -hmm. yeah so would it be similar would you liken it to if a say a person's um you know living or, or living in fornication and they're coming to church and they want to take the Lord's Supper. Um, this is an outward act of just straight up disobedience. They're neglecting a command. We could maybe liken this to that. If yeah. a person's saying, yeah, I haven't been baptized and I'm not super concerned about getting baptized, maybe someday in the future I will. Right. It would be maybe similar to a person saying, yeah. yeah, maybe someday I'll get married, but until then I'm just going yeah. to live how I want to live. Yeah. And, and the command to not fornicate isn't super binding on me. It's something I'll get to maybe down, down the road. Right. I think it's, yeah, very similar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So, okay. So that's a very practical, heretical view on baptism that, sad to say, I think a lot of people hold I and do. It, it, and yeah, it's so downplayed do. in the sense of, uh, again, and hopefully <laughs> you're going to expect us to unpack a whole bunch at the end, but when we want to get to this is when the church has tried to make a strong distinction between, all right, the water doesn't save you in the sense of just just plunging under the water apart from faith, you're you're saved just because you got wet. The church has wanted to maybe so far separate themselves from that view that we've maybe gone the other direction and downplayed baptism so much to the fact that we are seeing it as an afterthought when really this is something at the very forefront. Yeah. Be baptized. Yeah. Um, And so, yeah, yeah. I think you're right. Absolutely. We've swung kind of too far the the other way. The pendulum always swings. Um, and uh, just just real quick, as we um, begin to really unpack this uh, quite a bit more, but what's that age? I guess the you know people have these in-house debates: age of baptism, sprinkling or immersion. How can we speak into these things?
0: Yeah, so this is kind of where we get into the out of the heresy question and into the it's definitely in-house, like you said. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's either two or three. So I think the biggest um, biggest distinction within Protestantism is between um, what's called paedo-baptists and credo-baptists. So uh, a credo-baptist is what most Baptists, the denomination Baptists, would would be, and we believe that credo, which means creed or faith, um, is the prerequisite to being baptized. You have to be a conscious believer in order to be baptized.
1: Mm.
0: Paedo-baptists. Um, pedo, um, meaning infant or baby, you can be baptized um, either as an adult or as an infant if you have one or more parents who are Christians. Mm, okay. So that's, that's the main distinction. Um, it's pretty obvious which view we hold. <laughs> I think we've made it quite clear. Mm. <laughs> but yeah.
1: Yeah. Okay. All right. And so when we're looking at somebody who's um, uh, holding a view of pedo baptism, what is it about them that makes us not pull out the level two sword? Like what is it that they're holding um, that makes us hold a level two or maybe even a level three as opposed to pulling out the big guns with them? Yeah, sure. What's what's redeemable about that view?
0: Yeah. So I would say there's a couple of things that are redeemable. Number one, it is the vastly predominant view throughout church history. And when I say vastly, I mean vastly Mm -hmm. predominant. Like, pretty much almost all Christians held that view through... And of course, I wouldn't say in the New Testament that was what was taught, but definitely, like, pretty much right after the apostles died. Like, this is a normal (laughs) thing that was happening. Um, So just number one, like, I think just historically through tradition, Mm -hmm. it's shown... You know, and, and if if it really was a massive issue, I just don't think that's possible for the church to have that kind of a massive issue, where we would like question someone's salvation if we're going to take it that far, mm-hmm. and it would be the predominant view throughout almost all of church history until like until the Anabaptists came around near the Reformation, and of course there were probably some people. I I know there were some people sprinkled in there, but like yeah. that that didn't hold that view, but. By was, and large. By and large, it was that. And, and even
1: yeah. currently, I mean, R.C. Sproul <clears throat> was one. Just oh, sure. of recent, you know, it's not even like yeah. ancient, but even yeah. up to this day, so many solid, solid... Um, Presbyterian brothers. Presbyterian brothers. Methodist brothers. Who yeah. we'd look to, and we have on our playlists yeah. for podcasts and uh, sermons that we want to listen to. These are yeah. solid men of God who right. preach. Yeah. Yeah, you know, exactly. Baptize infants. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, exactly. And the whole Reformation, like... Mm-hmm. Pretty much everyone in the Reformation believed in infant baptism. <laughs> like yep. It really wasn't until the Baptists came along, and of course the Anabaptists, but they were kind of viewed as heretics by the
1: uh, other Protestants, which is a whole nother thing. Well, mm-hmm. Yeah, but anyways. And yeah. so what's redeemable about the way they say it is, I guess I want you to unpack this a little bit, but uh, if the heretical view is all right, we're sprinkling or maybe immersing, probably not, but sprinkling our baby and... This is washing away their original sin now. We are declaring that they are saved. What is it about maybe an R.C. Sproul or somebody else? How is it that when they're doing it, they're doing the exact same thing, but what's going on in their mind that is different in their belief system? So in their view, they do not think
0: it is making that child a Christian. Mm -hmm. It is actually saving them. Mm -hmm. They think it is marking them off as part of the covenant community, so they are treated as a Christian. Um even though they may or may not um, have initially expressed their faith in Jesus. And this kind of traces back to the view, which I, I hold to, um, and many Christians do, that um, an infant, if they were to die, they would go to be with the Lord, mm-hmm. um, in the sense that, you know, even though they are still cursed under original sin, they, um, where there is no law, there is no sin. And if they haven't that's um, Paul. Paul in Romans seven says um, that sin um, before the law came, I was alive, and then when the law came, sin revived, and I died mm-hmm. to sin. So um, many people take that to mean, including myself, that there's like there's this point where you become aware that what you're doing is sinful. And at that point, as you continue to do it anyways, that's when you are condemned in a personal sense. And of course, that's debated. And I definitely don't want to you know, say that is the view for sure, but that's kind of what's behind it is like, no, this isn't saving them, but we can treat them as a Christian because number one, their parents are Christians. And I mean, let's be honest, even as Baptists, we do this practically. Like mm-hmm. if our, our kids go to church with us, mm-hmm. we let them pray. Mm-hmm. They go downstairs and sing songs mm-hmm. with worship. other kids. They worship Jesus, right? <laughs> yeah. But they may, maybe they haven't actually made a profession of faith. So practically speaking, there's no difference, mm-hmm. like between these views. There really isn't. It's just one is willing to say something, the other isn't. But practically, we're doing the same things. Right. Yep. You know,
1: and some of them might <clears throat> um, often li- link this to circumcision as well, right? Right. Yeah. Like, and they'll That's say, "Well, point. we would we that. would bap- uh, we would circumcise our our boys eight days old um, right. far before they were." You know, um, calling Yahweh um, right. and repeating the Shema. Right. We're we're still going to mark them. Yeah. And so maybe there's a uh, a link there is, that's yeah. going on in a Pado Baptist mind of saying well, we're just going to do the exact same thing. Just so the the sign of the new covenant is going right. to be water baptism. And So we're going to do this, mark our child. Yeah. And but we are making a distinction of this is not some uh, magical kind of ceremony that is now. Um, justifying our child in the sight of god right yeah that's exactly right man okay well that's good so i'm excited about this just real quick um in this is our common objection section and i think we're going to really try to unpack the heart of what we've been saying we're going to unpack in this episode uh past five or six times but um, (laughs) we keep saying it and, and hopefully we don't disappoint because um in this we'll really be able to I don't know, I think get to the heart of this and um, bring about, um, I don't know, just a a blossoming of everything that we've been touching on. But a common objection um, is something, you know, citations that not just Roman Catholics will bring up, but a lot of people who would uh, argue for water baptism justifies you in the sight of God. Um, And I just want to read a short passage and watch how you kind of just unpack this. So 1 Peter chapter 3, and I'll just start in verse 18. But we'll go down several verses, but it says, For Christ also died for sins once for all, the just for the unjust, so that, he, so that he might bring us to God, having been put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit, in which also he went and made proclamation to the spirits now in prison, who were once disobedient when the patience of God kept waiting in the days of Noah during the construction of the ark, in which a few, that is eight persons, were brought safely through the water. Okay, so we already got some water. We get some figures kind of just popping out at us. And now he's going to say this in verse 21. Corresponding to that, baptism now saves you. Not the removal of dirt from the flesh, but an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Christ, who was at the right hand of God, having gone into heaven after angels and authorities and powers had been made subject to him. And so common objection somebody might say well see right here it says baptism saves you and you're trying to say well it's wrong to think that water justifies you in the sights of in the sight of god but here what's peter saying if he's not saying that and how do we articulate this um as credo baptists yeah
0: and and this one stumped me for a long time so the first thing i want to say is we got to be really careful here, because as Christians, Baptists in particular, Protestants, whatever, we are we are at pains to, in many other places, to take what the text says and just take it at face value, and like what it says is what it means, right? Um, but then it's very easy when something goes against our normal way of thinking Mm -hmm. when something is clear we try to work around it just like we think heretics do with clear passages about the deity of christ and all that we can do that sometimes too Mm -hmm. so we gotta be really careful careful here it says peter says that and i'm reading from the niv here this water symbolizes baptism that now saves you so like that's what it says that's what peter says he apparently didn't have a problem saying baptism saves you. Mm-hmm. Apparently not. Um, so we can't walk around that and say, well, he didn't really mean that. I mean, he meant something else. He clearly didn't think baptism saves you. Um, he, he meant it. What we have to do now is unpack the theology behind what he is saying. Mm-hmm. Thankfully, he explains it for us, and there's other passages we can go to. So I'll read it again. And again, this is from the NIV. I think you were reading from the the NASB, right? Yeah, so, you know, of course, Mm -hmm. both good translations, but Mm -hmm. I just happen to have this one up. So, So, it talks about Noah and the ark. In it, only a few people were saved, eight in all. They were saved through water, and this water symbolizes baptism that now saves you also. Not the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a clear conscience towards God. It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at God's right hand, so on. So, a couple things. I'm going to read from this book actually.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I think is super helpful. Um, so let's start off with like the the whole uh, him mentioning um, baptism for a second and uh, Noah's Noah's flood. So uh, I'm reading from this book. It's called uh, Truth We Can Touch by Tim Chester. It's, um, the subtitle is How Baptism and Communion Shape Our Lives. I highly recommend this book. It's not super long. It's by Crossway, so you know it's good. Um, forwarded by Sinclair Ferguson. So it's a really solid book. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not some whack, wacko on the fringes <laughs> of Christianity somewhere. It's pretty good. Um, so let me just read a little bit what he says here. I'll read a couple paragraphs. Notice first, Peter says Noah was saved through water. Through can be a bit ambiguous in English. Here it doesn't mean by. We're not saved by the waters of baptism. Noah certainly wasn't saved by the waters of the flood. Quite the opposite. He was threatened by the water. Instead, he was saved from the water by the ark. Peter says Noah was saved in or into the ark, or saved through water. Um, So, saved through water means kept safe as he passed through the water. Noah was kept safe by God as he passed through the waters of judgment into a new life. Second, Peter says the story of Noah is reenacted in baptism. This water symbolizes baptism, says verse 21. Like Noah, in baptism we are saved through water. We pass through the water that symbolizes judgment and we emerge to a new life. The word translated symbolizes implies an antitype or pattern. You have a prototype or a picture and you have its fulfillment in an antitype, the reality to which that picture points. This means Peter is not simply coming up with an interesting par- parallel. He's not simply saying, you know what, it's a bit like Noah instead peter is saying god has worked throughout history according to a pattern Mm. the stories of noah moses and joshua all took place as they did to prepare us to understand the meaning of jesus this is uh the important part for this section so it's not so much that the the story of noah is reenacted in our baptism it's more that our baptism was pre-enacted in the story of noah Mm. Noah is the setup, and baptism is the punchline. Mm-hmm. So that's the, the first chunk of that is like he's clearly connecting um, baptism to the flood, and he's saying like that the Noah being saved through the ark pictures baptism. It points to baptism. So ba- baptism is the ultimate reality of of what's going on here. Mm-hmm. But the ironic thing. Is baptism is also a picture in and of itself, um, so it's a picture. So the flood is a picture of a picture, <laughs> <laughs> um, but but there's there's more to it. So if you look in the passage, he says that um, baptism, which corresponds to this now, saves you not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal of a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So mm-hmm. so uh, what I find very interesting is the fact that Peter felt the need to include that little phrase in parentheses there. And I, of course, in Greek, I don't think it's in parentheses, but it's clearly exp- explanatory. So he could have just said, baptism now saves you through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He could have just said that, and that that would have been fine, and I still wouldn't have a problem with that. But thankfully, he unpacks what he means a little bit. when he. So he says, baptism saves you, not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to a good to to God for a good conscience. Whereas the NIV says, which I think is a little bit better in that spot, says, um, it's an appeal um, of a good conscience towards God. Mm-hmm. So basically, this is I'll just say what I what I think Peter's saying in the one packet. I think what Peter is saying is baptism saves you in the same sense that we think the sinner's prayer saves you. We, Or, or when we say the gospel saves you, because I have no problem saying, hey, the gospel saves you. Like, it saves you. But we don't actually mean that when the gospel is preached over someone, it saves them. It's their faith in response to the gospel, right? But we still use the language, hey, the gospel saves you. Or when we say, when you call out to the Lord by praying or whatever, um, that saves you. In reality, if we really want to specify it and break it down, we think that faith that someone has inwardly saves them, but they express that faith outwardly. And when they express it outwardly, Christians, the church, recognize that person as being a Christian, having been saved. However, before they ever audibly uttered those words, they were a Christian already mm-hmm. because they had that faith. Mm-hmm. And in God's sight, that's what counts. That's mm-hmm. what justifies you. Yep. Um, and, I mean, just think of it this way. Like, let's let's pretend there's a person who's paralyzed and can't speak. And they're laying in a hospital bed, and you preach the gospel to them. And they believe inwardly. But they can't say anything. Mm-hmm. You can't know whether or not they believed, but they believed inwardly. Right. They're saved they're saved, yeah. you know? And I know that's an exception to the normal circumstance, but nonetheless, I think that just proves, like, it's really the faith that counts. So baptism by Peter and by the New Testament is viewed as the proper vehicle by which a Christian or a by which a person is supposed to express their faith in Jesus.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So when we would have someone next to us, and we're sharing the gospel with them, and they say, all right, I want to follow Jesus, instead of us saying, all right, pray the sinner's prayer, or pray this prayer, or you know, talk to God, whatever we would say. And we would say, all right, now that you've prayed that, you're saved. Mm-hmm. In the same way, we would say that baptism, like, okay, hey, I want to follow Jesus now. All right. Let's get baptized. Mm -hmm. Hey, Mm -hmm. come on, get baptized. Mm -hmm. Um, That is supposed to be the vehicle by which they express that initial faith. Mm -hmm. So that is why Peter can say baptism saves you. And notice he says, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And he says it's an appeal of a good conscience towards God, which would be that faith, that Mm -hmm. inward, that good conscience towards God, that that Godward heart. That's what saves you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah so but it's through the resurrection of Jesus Christ,
1: yeah, okay. so it's
0: all about Christ, what he does, but baptism's just that shell or that vehicle, yeah,
1: that's good, that's good.
0: that was a long explanation, but <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, but I think that gets to the heart of it where um when we see not not even to say anything that you haven't already said, but just to kind of put it in my words so I can kind of understand it, and so the listeners maybe can too, like in the same way that when we as in our in our current context of Christianity, we have prayed the prayer. Um, we said, "I heard the gospel, and I, I put my hand up." And I remember my own testimony. My preacher was preaching, and he said, "If anybody wants to get saved, put their hand up." And I was like, "I do." And then I walked to walked to the altar, and people were praying over me. Um, the it wasn't the walk to the altar that saved me. And it wasn't even the recitation of various words after that. I don't even remember if I did a sinner's prayer, but if I did, it wasn't that that saved me because many people, probably a janitor in the church, had walked from the same seat that I sat in to the altar, made that same path, that same walk, and let's just say he happened to say the same words that I said. There's nothing magical about that walk that saved, but for me that was... A movement of something that God had already done in my heart, that as I walked forward, it was just me physically doing something that had already resulted from an inner working of God by faith in me. And so I guess what you're saying is similarly that in the early church, and maybe even something that we could do better at adopting, is saying, All right, you know, you put your hand up, you want to get saved, let's get baptized. Um, and nothing again magical about the water in and of itself but you are now this is your mode of an appeal for a good conscience to god or how the niv puts it um yeah. That's, i think that was yeah, it yeah yeah i think it's great and I, so what is is does that is that kind of articulated yeah. well
0: i think so yeah, yeah. And there's definitely more more to talk about that with that because um it can be argued and i, I think it's valid that we see, although we do see baptisms immediately follow people hearing the gospel, professing faith in the New Testament, mm-hmm. um, almost all of those people that I can think of were already God-fearers or Jews, so they had some knowledge of Yahweh and all, maybe already worshipped Yahweh. Mm-hmm. Um, so they weren't starting from scratch, because Christianity is the fulfillment of Judaism. Mm-hmm. Um so they were already they already had a foundation and were already following God really uh, many of them, so it made sense to baptize them immediately. But the argument can be made: well, now it's mostly Jews, uh, mostly Gentiles that don't have an understanding of God or faith in God already or whatever, mm-hmm. so we shouldn't baptize them immediately after, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which makes sense. And that's exactly why the early church had a process of what's called um, catechizing, where they would call people. They had three categories for people. Nowadays, we have believer or um, unbeliever and Christian. They had three categories they had unbeliever, catechumen, or seeker or learner, and then Christian. Mm. So, in this middle section, there were people who expressed interest in following Jesus and they had faith of some sort, but they still were learning the faith to make sure before they were baptized and the church saw them as a Christian and allowed them to take the Lord's Supper and all that. Um, they wanted to make sure they were counting the cost, as Jesus said, and they wanted to make sure they understood the Christian faith before they committed to it through baptism, which I think is wise, actually. Um, and I think that would maybe be another good practice to to look into, um, or at least consider, is when someone says they want, want to follow Jesus, instead of immediately calling them a, like a Christian and allowing them to take the Lord's Supper and all— Um, making sure they really understand, and we kind of do this on a practical level. We, you know, before we baptize people, we want to make sure they understand the gospel and all these things, which is, I don't think that's, that's a bad idea. I just think when we give someone all the privileges of being a Christian and being in the church before they're baptized and before we know, like how much they understand the gospel, um, I think that can be kind of dangerous because we're giving people false assurance, before maybe they've truly committed to christ or understand what they're committing to um right right yeah, yeah. Okay.
1: i don't know if that makes sense or not but yes no that does um and so to frame this up in another like common objection that i think um and we didn't even have this down but i can maybe imagine somebody asking this like you know you have in ephesians 2 <clears throat> um we are saved um by grace through faith not of works, and then, uh, you know, a common Protestant interpretation of this is, you know, so we're not saved by baptism, um, and then, you know, Romans chapter 10, verses 9 through 10, if you believe in your heart yeah. that Jesus Christ is Lord and confess that God raised him from the dead or vice versa, um, that you w- you are saved, um, and you will be saved. And so how does this um, understanding of baptism correspond to some of those um, highly cherished, Kind of Reformation Protestant texts yes. as well. There's any
0: it? contradiction? Awesome. I don't okay. think so at all, I all think
1: right. yep. when it talks about faith, us believing,
0: it's like like I said, that's the inward, that's the inward self. Like that's um, that's your heart, that's your conscience being pledged to God. However you want to say it, there's a lot of ways to say it. Um, but it, those passages don't talk about how faith is to be expressed. It just says you have to have faith, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So I don't think there's any contradiction there. I just think it's a further explanation, but we can completely affirm those passages still.
1: Awesome. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's good. Um, and I feel like that, that kind of answer when you, cause there are a couple other passages that I think people could bring up, you know, um, Acts chapter two, verse 38, um, like what, what must we do to be saved? And he says, repent and be baptized for the remission of sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy spirit. Right. That might be a satisfactory and more comprehensive way of oh, yeah. speaking into that. Sure. I think that's a very, it's, that is in my view, the only satisfactory
0: way because, <laughs> um, yeah, Peter says, uh, when, you know, when he's preaching at Pentecost and people want to respond to the gospel, he's like, what, what should we do? Cause they're cut to the heart. You know, they're cut to the heart. they, believe Jesus is the Messiah, like, what do we do now? It's like, repent, you know, turn, and be baptized for the forgiveness of sins. Mm -hmm. And many Protestants, um, and I understand why, they take that and they try to parse out, like, and separate. No, yeah, he means repent, and that will give you forgiveness of sins. But baptism, that whole baptism part, even though they're right next to each other, um, is referring to um, because, you know, it's like, because you're forgiven, um, get baptized, and I'd, I mean, maybe there's some decent arguments out there. I really don't know for that, but I, mm-hmm. I don't think that's the best way to understand it. I think the best way to understand it um, is by going to the person who said it and looking at his explanation of baptism, mm-hmm. and the person who said this was Peter, and we just read Peter's letter where he does explain his view of baptism, mm-hmm. and I think—I don't think there's any issue with saying, repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of sins, mm-hmm. If what's meant is what Peter says in First uh, Peter 3, where his view of baptism is like, that's the way you're supposed to express your faith in Jesus. Mm-hmm. It's no different from him saying, um, repent and ask, call out to God, mm-hmm. or repent and, and pray for forgiveness. Mm-hmm. It's, it's no different. That prayer for forgiveness doesn't actually forgive you. It's the faith that you had that led you to pray to begin with that saves you, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but that prayer is that outward expression of what's inward, so that other people can recognize your faith. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah. that's why. And baptism is even better than that. Number one, because Jesus said to do it, and that's the way to do it. So, <laughs> but number two, just because it it really does picture in a three D way what happens inwardly when we are. Dying with Christ, we die to die with Christ, and we are raised with Him. We are reborn mm-hmm. internally.
1: Yeah, yeah. That's good. So That's good. Yeah. And just one last thing that, that I um, had talked about earlier that I just want to um, interject and add to, and kind of just like elaborate on the idea of baptism and and suffering um, and. The passage that I just want to look at real quick, Romans 6, um, where he says, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may increase? May it never be. How shall we who died to sin still live in it? Or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? And I love this passage because I feel as though Paul is not uh, avoiding any of the dimensions of this baptism subject. I think all three are kind of brought out here because you could say baptized into Jesus. And I know many brothers and sisters who would say this passage is really only talking about this isn't a wet baptism. This is very dry. I think John MacArthur describes his baptism as a a baptism of the Holy Spirit. I think Paul would say amen to that. Um, we're baptized into Christ Jesus, you know, and we're all baptized. We're all one in as we're baptized in one whole, in one spirit. That's what unifies us. So I would say Amen to that. But I don't know if Paul would limit it to that. That I think sure. this could also be touching on a water baptism, a second dimension of this. You know, that we're all baptized into Christ Jesus, and we're baptized into His death. That um, just like baptism is depicted. He says in verse four, therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the father, so we too might walk in newness of life. It's kind of depicted in baptism as we go down underneath the waters, the waters of death, but we're saved through that and we were resurrected and we're raised up with Christ, um, fully depicted in a water baptism, second dimension, but I think even a third dimension that Paul is hearkening to when he's using these words like death, um, that This is something that we see all through Paul's letters, but the New Testament as a whole as well, this idea of suffering, that in Christ, I died daily. Hmm. Um, Paul says in Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. In Galatians 6.14, I will uh, boast only in the cross through which I have been crucified to the world and the world to me. And so there's just this idea that there is a death that's going on in our flesh, but our spirit is being made more and more alive. And so Paul seems to be even hearkening to this as well. Or do you not know that all who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? And so this idea that our, our we're undergoing the baptism that Jesus was baptized with, just as James and John were told that they were going to undergo we're we're undergoing that as well as we suffer with our Lord Jesus Christ as we mm-hmm. bear up our cross, and we follow after Him as His disciples. And so I love just like the fullness of that. And I I guess especially as we've been having this conversation this morning and, and recording this podcast, that I think this verse kind of touches on all of them. Yeah, you know, and it's just yeah. this big, full, three D picture that I've been That's baptized awesome. in the Spirit. I was baptized in water, and now I'm just having this daily. undergoing of baptism as i'm suffering in the world but being made more and more alive in the spirit um, to our living god through the resurrection of jesus christ as peter even puts it it's just it's wonderful yeah amen
0: brother always carrying in our bodies the death of christ so that the life of christ may live through us yes Amen. amen cool well that's all for today's episode consider subscribing for more simply christian content and until next time